So I will uh, present my, 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 my talk in four parts. First, the context of my research, then issues and concepts like power and representation, South Atlantic world, the Baroque mirror, and afterwards I will do the portrait of a Vodou leader using uh, Louis Marin theory of uh, portraiture, and at the end I will talk about the Eucharistic matrix of Vodoukart. First, the context. Before getting to the thematic of my talk today, I think it is important to give you some information about my different fieldworks. It will give you important clues about the way I play with some concepts, which seems perhaps far away from anthropological theory. I'm doing fieldwork in Benin since the mid 80s and I did live in Cotonou, the economic capital of the country, during four years. I was present during the national conference which put an end to an authoritarian regime led by Kereku, the one who did his extraordinary public Christian conversion during the conference. During my stay, I was well aware that all Vodoukars did belong to history and that what people were devoted to were some sort of new vodou, generically called tron vodou. These cards were not unknown to the European Academy, and they belonged to the anti-witchcraft cards that colonial observers noticed that they could be very fierce and violent, burning idols, that is, old vodou, fighting and insulting vodou priests, like some Christian movements at the same period of the colonial rule. What makes this cult different in relation to older cults is the fact that its cosmology is well connected with figures of world religions. As such, some colonial servants in Togo, for example, accuse the, the Christian science, a reformist uh, Christian movement, to be part of the same crusade as both were burning old idols accused of committing witchcraft and sorcery. I will not extend on the subject, only to say that I wasn't convinced by the interpretations in terms of syncretisms <coughs> to qualify these cuts, which at the same time were different and similar to other cuts linked to nature elements or lineage and kingdoms. The Wida 92 festival proved me right, as older Vodou and new ones parade together because the preservation of their heritage is a common goal. The dynamic of Trong Vodou and the fact that anthropologists did not need to resort to archaeology to decipher the multiple connections between world religions and local ones made me want to compare them to more ancient cults born of the encounter between world religions and the said custom ones. That is how I became curious of Afro-Brazilian religions and did a field work of five years in Salvador de Bahia and the Reconquable region. Since 2000, I go regularly to Benin and Brazil and the presentation I will do in a few minutes is the results of reflections and experiences from Brazil and Benin. My main interest is to decipher the task <coughs> culture and the multiples Africa 
in our commonwealth. So now I'm going to talk about issues and concepts. 20 years ago, no, 20 years have gone by since the 92 Wida festival, in the course of which Vodou harking back to pre-colonial times had been gradually overtaken by dynamic anti-witchcraft leaders whose networks extend way beyond the strictly religious framework. So I wish I shall consider the way in which some religious leaders emerge as mediators between the state, civil society, and the transatlantic African diaspora at the beginning of the 19th. To do so, I will portray a Vaudou leader using tools from art history, philosophy, and semiology. In the wake of 92 Wida Festival, the leader I choose to present as an example of Vodou dynamics in present day Benin managed to extend his power gradually through increased responsibilities given to him under successive governments. Today, this strong leader is both a traditional practitioner rooted in a national and international environment, a sustainable development activist who promotes equally forcefully the heritage value of ancestral knowledge and the acquisition of modern technical know-how. He is also a provider of cultural, cultural goods and magic and, and religious services. And finally, he acted as a representative of civil society in the last two rounds of presidential election, 2006 and 2011. To portray this strong leader who is both unique and yet at the same time representative of the theological and political dimension of religious power in present-day Benin, I will make use of Limahan's work. So, <coughs> Limahan's definition of the power in its representation. On the basis of an analysis of semiotic systems in various contexts, painting, philosophy, literature, anthropology, and blending pragmatic linguistics with Pascal's theory of science, Mahan demonstrates that an interpretation of this system in theological and political terms makes it possible to account in for the chiasmus, that is, the crisscross and inverted structure between any form of power and its representation. The logism theory of science, that is, this is my body. To define the, the historical context of his analysis of absolute power, Mahan borrowed the grid for reading sign from the port royal logicians, as for them, royal power and divine power operate by way of transubstantiation on the model of this is my body, through the presentation of the host during the Catholic ritual. The dogma of the Eucharist, through which the Pope Royal Logicians developed their science theory, allows Mahan to demonstrate in a very convincing fashion that might and power are inherent both in their enunciation and in their representation as a sign. From this relationship between power and representation, 
then concludes that power only materialized in its representation, or put differently, where there is no sign, no material underpinning, there is no power. The logics of portrait. In deepening my exploration of power and beliefs in Benin, in the light of the brilliant analysis by Wimara of Louis XIV's portrait as painted by Yassin Frigo, I analyzed the body representations not as masks that would conceal the secret of some deities, but as portraits that would actually materialize their presence. I will do the same in portraying a Vodou leader who is both unique and yet at the same time representative of the theological dimension of religious power in present-day Benin. With, uh, with the 14th portrait by Yassin Frigo. This portrait was realized in 1701 when neither the king nor his kingdom was in good health. He will die in 1715, but nonetheless this portrait will become his official portrait. At, the, at that time he was ill, his kingdom in bad shape, starvation, or in seven, uh, 1693 and in 1709, some military defeats and the exodus of persecuted Protestants. But nonetheless, the portrait painted by Rigaud shows us a, kind is, uh, a king in his prime with good legs for dancing, as he loved dancing when he was young, giving to the representation a power much more forceful than the experience of the reality. In Benin, the invention of ancestor cults at the end of the Adaoman kingdom during the 19th century, when the slave trade was already prohibited, was a way to keep the kingdom powerful by means of new representations. I'm thinking about the Asan altar, which a century later will look like pure and ancient traditions of the Fon people. See the work of Enna Bay on the subject. The South Atlantic. <coughs> in Benin, to approach the power of representation, I propose to study it in the context of the South Atlantic. The South Atlantic, which is marked by the slave trade, establishes one sort of power representation where the bodies are central. There, the sign shows its power of incarnation of the deities in the public performances of the religious leaders and in the experiences of their followers. The Baroque mirror. The metaphor of Baroque mirror becomes relevant to delimit in these corporal exchanges the power through which is produced not only the body of a leader, but also a social body, a community of political subjects and or followers. The Baroque mirror is to be viewed as a device exhibiting and intensifying the links between objects at first glance totally unrelated, whilst remaining hidden. In this fashion, everything can be seen, nothing is hidden, but what enables us to see and to believe does not belong to the realm of the physical. 
in deepening my exploration of power and beliefs in Benin, in the light of Louis Marin's work, I analyzed the voodoo representations not as masks that would conceal the secrets of some deities, but as portraits that would actually material, material, materialize their presence. The metaphor of the Baroque mirror thus enables me to avoid interpreting the occult as a kind of new theodicy, which would explain the expansion of the market economy, all too often deemed responsible for the increase of witchcraft in post-colonial Africa. Here, the mirror is a tool for assertion, which comes to reinforce the theological and political fiction of the power portraits. For Marin, the mirror is a device of presentation to make render something present, such as in the picture whose opacity is deciphering. I draw some sort of analogy between marine opacity of the painting and the concept of the Baroque mirror that I made up in my analysis of practices and body experiences in the Candomblé. Both are devices whose work is made visible in the portraits. In Benin, the portraits logic, logic enables me to make visible the context of the South Atlantic where the body is always called upon. There are performances, incarnations, experiences and trances that the mirror's device reveals or allows us to see or make visible. Transubstantiation. The processes of transubstantiation work in the South Atlantic where the sign is the visible patient. All power and its representation literally, physically take hold of the whole body of social actors as in a pantomime where the power representation exposes itself and explodes in a thousand reflections. During the trance of the said voodoo spouses in the sacrifices that are offered to the deities and share with the community of the adepts and followers of the cult, in the contiguity of the sacrifice of an animal and the trance of an adept who communicate and take communion in sizing a sheep or a goat by its throat to drink its blood. So now I'm going to draw the, draw the portrait of Bedga. When I met Bediga for the first time in March 2002, he was already famous with social, social science PhD student because of his open-mindedness and his freedom of speech regarding his religious responsibilities. He was also seeking international recognition to assist him in the pursuit of very ambitious personal projects. He had already been to Brazil with a delegation of Bodhu leaders at the, at the invitation of the Brazilian government. Because of an ailment caused by sorcerers, brother on his father's side, when he was still at school, he became involved with Trump. He bought it some 30 years ago from a famous worshipper of his 
of this body in the Bay District of Lomé. With a master's degree in economics, he started, to, for he started by teaching for several years in various, various secondary schools in Cotonou and Portonovo before being hired as a manager by a car dealership. Six years later, he resigned to devote himself entirely to his therapeutic and religious activities. At the beginning of the 80s, he founded a NGO registered since 2003 with the Commission for Poverty Eradication at UNESCO. With this NGO, he wishes to develop an inter-African research project on what he has labeled the totem geography of Africa by associating European researchers, African traditional practitioners, and international development agents. He's also a member of other associations such as the Traditional Medicine Practitioner Association in Benin is one of its officers, and of the Commission Nationale des Cultes de Vaudou du Bénin, where he was Secretary General until its demise. Regarding the dispute between Dagbo Kunohuna and Sosagedehungi during the 92 Wida festival, Bediga acted as a conciliator between the two men, but he was nonetheless much closer to Dagbo Huno right up to his death. Here, a portrait of both of them. This closeness with the traditional leader should be viewed as a strategy for reconciling ancient and more recent skirts, a strategy which proved successful since following Wida 92, both sides started participating together in the Vodou Festival as of 96. In 95, the Council of the Kings of Benin appointed him Minister of Afro-American Cults following his attendance at a Congress in Brazil the year before. <coughs> Bediga is present at all the official gatherings of Vodouno, and he, this is how he found himself in the delegation that met, that met with the Pope in January 93, a few days before the celebration of Wida 92. He also met several times the different successive heads of government at the helm of the state since 91, and he is also very close to a number of senior civil servants of the Ministry for Foreign Affairs, the Ministry of the Interior, and the Ministry for Relations with Institutions, which is the successor of the former. Bediga, is the regular host in his home to a few American researchers who visit him in order to be initiated in the mystery of Fa Geomancy. One of his sons has been acting as an, an interpreter and master of Fa for his Western guests since the age of 15. During my last visit at his place in August 2014, there was a group of Haitians studying at the Abome Calavis University frequenting his place every weekend. Apart from his intercontinental trips within the framework of agreements between the Benin state and international organizations, Bediga devotes a great deal of attention to his family and professional networks. He always attends the Tron annual festive commemoration held in the compound of, the, of his Togolese mentor. He also visits his friend's temples, in particular 
a cuidar né, de native, native town COVID. Like most religious leaders, he has several wives, and each of them has enabled him to extend his network. His first wife is a first cousin on his father's side, whereas the second one is related on her mother's side to Dagbo Huna from Wida. His third wife comes from Boikon, a town at crossroads between the north and the south of the country, and located in neutral territory, but close to the capital of the former kingdoms of Abome and Alada, Aja Krado of the region. Thanks to the variety of his networks, Bediga is totally part and parcel of a religious heritage dynamic spearheaded by his totem geography. But he is also present inside the country in regional and inter-regional networks where his main activity is to offer magic, therapeutic and religious services. To this end, he travels regularly to Togo and Nigeria and once or twice a year to France at the invitations of his clients. Like many Vodou leaders living in Cotonou, at Bediga Place, temple and home are located within the same compound. When you enter, at street level, a large dark and sandy courtyard offers rows of benches, like in a classroom, where patients and clients are greeted. To the left of the threshold, the leg bar tricks to a messenger. A blackboard is affixed on the right side wall where one finds the announcements of the day, the fast sign, and recommendations as to the offerings to be made for the ritual ceremonies usually taking place at the end of the week. To the right of the threshold, one finds the Ogu and Sakwata altars. Facing the main entrance, at the back of the courtyard, there are several altars hosting the main deities or the master of the house. The main altar, Trong Beto Deca, looks like a genuine Brazilian shrine. Yemanja effigy decorate the outside wall and the semicircular inside wall is entirely painted in white and decorated with a mural representing an angel holding a ram and appealing to Abraham who holds his son blindfolded ready to kill him. The, heart, the altar is surrounded by a low wall with two openings, one for the priest, the other for the supplicant and is filled with several piles of stones wrapped up, covered with scallop nuts and red palm oil in the front of the trident. To its left, another room is dedicated to Tron Baunglikitu, and behind the two altars, one finds the Osanyi bush, a forest and medicinal clan divinity where <coughs> clients and followers take, can take the medicinal, medicinal bath and where Bediga prepares his medicine. On the right-hand side of the entrance to the compound, an antechamber leads to the apartment of the first wife, who sells various small items, particularly everything that is necessary for the rites. Candles, perfumes, kaolin, kola nuts, etc. Bediga's entire family is involved in the activity of the cult. His wives act as Taino, which means 
paternal house. His sons take part in the bloodletting sacrifice and voodoo consultations in far geomancy, where his daughters handle the shops, internet cafe, and woven items, located on the street as an extension of the compound. Above the courtyard and the altars hosting the various voodoo, Bediga has had four story built to house in the last two upper floors his foreign guests processions that he organized every year during the Vodou festive period, which means around January 10th. The second floor houses his apartments and a reception hall where he welcomes his distinguished guests. Long narrow space, this reception hall has was decorated with countless photographs of the landlord, pictures that show him in the company of the president of Benin, as a member of a delegation attending a conference in the US, all dressed like a Monday hunter standing in the middle of a French public bar, not to mention the different diplomas in their richly decorated frames illustrating the degrees bestowed upon him as a traditional practitioner or religious leader. Also hanging on the wall, an enlarged photocopy of the first check of for 100 million Frank CFR that he received in 2009 from the Yaiboni government in his capacity as president of the endogenous religions. Every weekend from Friday night to Sunday afternoon, followers and clients go to very bad home to take part in ritual activities. Everyone comes with the offering prescribed by the religious leader. Thus, for a ceremony that was to be held during Christmas week in December 2012, the blackboard instructed devotees to come with the following offerings. 82 colonnades plus two packs of candles plus two bottles of perfume plus two boxes of matches plus 2010 francs CFR for the women and for the man 5,010 francs CFR plus a bottle of liquor. While during the week, clients and followers will come in large numbers to Bediga's place to solve various health problems or other types of misfortune, it is his wives and children who handle the rights who identify the causes and also perform the propitiatory rights that will soothe the client patient. Bediga only deals with recent clients and followers. For the rest, he delegates, but only to members of his family. Still, every weekend, when he's not traveling, he's there to preside over the rituals, which at the one and same time afford relief and solace while strengthening his community of followers. Initiates and novices are there in large number to guarantee the spectacle. Successive trances, more or less violent, occur during Friday and Saturday night while clients and spectators from the neighborhood come in to present their compliments to the chief during the day. One never knows during the night which part accusation could be leveled at some uninformed, naive spectator. <coughs> As a rule, followers arrive separately at nightfall, everyone rushes in to go and help the local deities, whites bowing low to the ground before saluting 
the master of ceremony, and then the different members of the cult, abiding by a strict hierarchical order. As musicians play the drums, Bedigas poses and children move from one one altar to the other to feed the deities with colonels, red palm oil, sodavi, and poultry brought by the followers with special requests. Chewing colonels and drinking a glass of sodabi on the part of the official always accompanies offering to the deities. Any ritual act is a performance in the course of which transubstantiation is crucial. One could say, following Wimahan's analysis of power and its representation, that all sacrificial rituals can be construed on the basis of a Eucharistic model, or else along the lines of Bazin and Auger analysis that any god thing or object god only exists as strength, power, and might in their physical form. Indeed, with Vediga, but this also holds true for all the other Vodou temples, the consultation of a god and his real materialization always go hand in hand with offerings and libations shared by the deities, the officiating person, and the supplicants. Over and beyond the three annual feasts that take place regularly at Christmas, during the Tabaski, and after the commemoration of January 10th for the revival of the principal vodou of the house, when sheep and sometimes oxen are offered, animal sacrifices boil down to poultry and cats and dogs for special requests. I often witness these very short rituals speedily performed, usually to protect clients and followers from, their, from spares. For instance, on a Saturday afternoon, I arrived in the middle of an exhausted session for a mother with her three children. The drums beating at a frenzied pace were being played by young boys and girls between six and ten, whilst the protagonists in the ritual were seated on a mat in front of the shrine where Bediga was officiating. One after other, he removed from the inside a puppy, then a kitten, and finally three young chickens sacrificed in seconds where blood of the animal was poured in a dish that would be used to feed his drum. He then smeared with blood the wrists, ankles, temples, and sternum of the supplicants. One of his sons retrieved the dead bodies of the animals. Upon completion of the sacrifices, the supplicants entered the shrine to pray, except one of the young girls who had a fever. The whole ritual did not last more than 10 minutes, and now Vediga is moving towards his audience, almost exclusively made up of women with whom he discusses in small groups. He tells me that most of them are spellbound. Many of them will spend the weekend in the courtyard of the compound and the night in the antechambers of Vediga's wives. And on Sunday, in the middle of the day, a shared meal which will mark the end of the weekend rituals. 
sharing a meal consisting of sacrificed poultry during those two days is a source of regeneration and protection for the followers. Since the mid-80s, Gvedga has taken part in public and political events staging Bodu culture. His role as a peacemaker in disputes among Bodu leaders, and more importantly, his way of standing in the background, establishing <coughs> as the painter of a picture who brings to center stage the protagonists of the painting. The latter, depending on the context, will extol ancient Bodu culture or the African heritage of the African-American diaspora, or yet again, the role of pre-colonial kingdoms in the making of the artisan traditions of our heritage. The different theaters where Gutenberg <coughs> appears have turned him into a versatile hero, to quote a famous Brazilian novel, capable of evolving in multiple universes and emerging as the man who can cope with any situation. Since 2009, President Yair Boni's government has been allocating an annual budget of uh, 100 million francs CFR to the four main religions of the country. And it is Bediga who has been responsible since then for distributing the amount earmarked for the endogenous religion to the voting representatives of the 12 administrative districts of the country. And you see this photo as a Monday hunter. Today, Bediga holds several positions. President of endogenous religions, secretary to the councils of kings in Benin, founder of the Ngo Totem Geography of Africa, which explains why he's invited to countless congresses and debates on sustainable development, peace, and civil society. In February 2010, he was invited by UNDP to take part in a workshop in New York. He also served on the Autonomous National Electoral Commission, SENA, for the 2006 and 2011 presidential elections. Even though playing the conciliatory part in religious and political conflicts, Bédigal, like most of his counterparts, is always to be found in his action on the side of the winning coalition. Why is it then that Bédigal is viewed as a providential man moving effortlessly from a domestic ritual to a Vodou festival from an administrative meeting to a UNDP conference. He has an uncanny ability to move from one world to another. Many clients of his strong belong to the established institutions, the police and the army, that maintain the monopoly of state violence. Many of his friends within governance circles are attached to the magic religious services that he provides. The witchcraft model is extremely prevalent among civil servants who compete fiercely with one another and whose social promotion does not always hinge on the <coughs> professional scale. So now I'm going to talk about the Eucharistic metrics of Vodukas. 
When one observes a Vodou ritual, one is first and foremost engulfed in experience, in that the performance of the actors also includes the observer, who simply by being there validate the event. The rhythm of the drums, the chant of the initiated woman, the sacrificial rites unleashing the trances of the mediums, everything contributes to turning the ride into a genuine experience shared by all the attendants. It has already been stressed how violent the chances of the throne devotees can be when during the offering of the ram, the maidens grab it and bite into it in total fusion between the individual possessed, the animal sacrificed, and the god that is revered each being a mere mirror reflection of the other, including the image of the spectators. In all the offerings and sacrificial rituals, what happens is a transformation of the substance of animate or inanimate objects into divine bodies, which produces the mystical body of believers. Such acts have to be construed as a way of depicting the invisible as such, as a way of rendering present deities that manifest themselves. Analyzing the phenomenon of transubstantiation not as a dogma, but as a practice, in the wake of Wittgenstein, for whom the essence of religion resides not so much in beliefs as in sensations and practices, sheds new light on the whole questions of fetishism. In Bediga, such an experience is renewed daily in the therapeutic rite that he performs for his patients and clients. Chewing of the colonnades that are then shared during this private rite is part and parcel of the represent of invoked deities and transubstantiations is accomplished and repeats itself for each and every patient or follower. It reaches its paroxysm during the annual festival commemorating the birth of Christ or Abraham's sacrifice. However, whereas during the private rites performed within his home, <coughs> Bediga is the main operator at the center of the picture, as soon as he takes part in public rites, his position changes and he moves sideways toward the, the frame of the picture. Thus, most of the time is present at the frame, defining the picture, directing the gaze, reflecting the outside and inside of the picture, what Wimarin conveys in terms of opacity of the painting. In referring to the logic of the portrait by Wimarin, I wish to demonstrate First, that the central role of transubstantiation was not peculiar to the Christian religion or to the figure of the despot as embodied by Louis XIV. In Bediga's portrait, the image, though composite, can also be analyzed against a Eucharistic matrix. The bodies of Bediga and the mediums of the sacrificed animal the material nature of the offerings and of the gods are all rendered prison through 
transubstantiations, either in public or private rites. All these images of bodies incarnate are also underpinned by a narrative, legend or myth revolving around the deity and or the encounter between men and deities. <coughs> An assertive discourse, the truth of the soothsayer and of the body language when gods descend to inhabit the initiates. And third, a prescriptive one, taboos and obligations that produce the community of behaviors reinforced by a shared meaning. Bediga's portrait has also enabled me to illustrate the way in which the presentation of his bodies, the, 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 the variety of his activities, turned him into a powerful and incarnate body in present-day Benin. When at home resolving his clients and followers' problems, Bediga's image incarnates the full power of a religious leader and healer. When in a public space, his figure is more ambiguous as what is at stake is state power. As the painter analyzed by Mahan, Bediga is the frame within which what is staged is the sacred part of state power. As in a mirror, Bediga's image is always the reflection of what is at stake. During a public festival, such as the celebration of the Bodle's Day, members of the government are officially present, and Bediga's image is to highlight the power of the state at giving it a mystical dimension. Bodle's Day brings one another brings on another dimension that is also present in Bediga's home, that of the South Atlantic world through the images of Yemanja or Mamiwata. Most of the anti-witchcraft leaders do associate strong figures with Atlantic deities and seek for a diaspora clientele. The concept of the Baroque mirror, a genuine epistemological challenge developed on the basis of religious productions in Brazil was also a way for me to delve into the issue of the reflection projected by incongruous images. The portrait, by isolating and reconfiguring features, makes it possible to chart a sort of exploration in the space rendering him visible from within and without. The portrait implies a relationship between an image and a body that is thus materialized and there is always a tale to make the whole illustration come alive. Whether a myth or history, the tale portrait of Bediba ushers in the historical long duration dimension through which are discussed and recast the religious issues of the slave trade, the colonial route period and the post-colonial era in the heritage social practices. Thus, the approach to Bedigan's persona in, in its multiple facets exposes, as in a mirror, intertwined figures which, far from being superimposed in a cumulative manner often ascribed to polytheistic curse, echo one another and are interconnected through 
transubstantiation. The varied nature of the mirror is due to the fact that the distorted images belong to distinct worlds where fiction rendered present in the rituals leads to a juxtaposition of images belonging to worlds considered as separate. Just like Makunaima, the hero, without any character, Vediga moves about in the device of the Baroque mirror as simply as a fish in a pot. Thank you.